the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Life is filled with both sunshine and storms. But without God's navigation, souls can easily become spiritually shipwrecked. Anchored in Christ is a weekly broadcast that ministers the scriptures so we can know Christ the Savior and enjoy salvation, security, strength, and stability found only in Him as we set sail through life's marvelous journey. Here's Pastor David Kahiwat. On Mark chapter 1, let's begin in verse number 1 and read all the way to verse number 8. If you're able to, please stand for the reading of God's Word. Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. The Scripture says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John did baptize in the wilderness, and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea, and they of Jerusalem, and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. And John was clothed with camel's hair, and with a girdle of a skin about his loins, and he did eat locusts and wild honey. And preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Thank you very much. You may be seated. Let's pray and ask God's blessing on this message this morning. As we come before you right now, dear God, I just ask your Holy Spirit's power to be upon us. God, we are nothing. And if we have found favor in your sight, I ask that you would now show us now thyself, that we would find grace, and that you would grant to us your wisdom, your love, and your Holy Spirit applying what we learn from your word to our own lives. God, I want to thank you so much for using John the Baptist. And that I pray that our hearts and our minds would develop and adopt the same type of ministry as John the Baptist. You would use us in a great and mighty way for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Several years ago, I watched a videotape of a youth rally that was uh, being done. And in this youth rally, actually the whole videotape was about uh, Christian contemporary music and its effects. And in this youth rally, there was uh, often in in the entertainment industry when there's uh, concerts or things that go on, they have an opener. And then you have a headliner. Well, in this youth rally, I don't remember the name of the Christian heavy metal rock group, but the opener got up and they got the team so worked up in this frenzy that the preacher... For that youth rally, who was to be the headliner, got up and shut down the concert, if you will. And 
the documentary showed the background, uh, what was going on uh, in backstage, that this youth group was upset. Not youth group. This uh, rock, heavy metal rock group was upset because they didn't get to finish their set. And the preacher said, it wasn't about you. It's about Jesus Christ. That preacher told them that the reason for the rally was so that, the, that God's word could reach the teens, but the musicians were more upset because they didn't get the exposure that they wanted. That group missed the whole point. They called themselves a heavy metal Christian rock group, but their intentions wasn't to exalt Christ, but rather to expose their music. Now, this book starts completely differently. Although it does give us an opener and it's about a headliner, it was totally not like that Christian metal rock group. Lest we understand, I'm not trying to claim that Jesus Christ is in, an, in the entertainment business and that his forerunner is some freak artist. That's not what I'm saying. And I'm not saying as well that those who are in the entertainment industry are wrong. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is this. Jesus Christ is to be exalted for who he is and what he has done. And there are forerunners or openers, if you will. And John the Baptist is the one who was pointing to the main event who was the Messiah. Mark began this gospel abruptly as he introduced to us the suffering servant and his forerunner, also a significant servant, his name, John the Baptist. Mark began with a phrase in verse number one, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. These words mean not the title of the book, but the commencement of an amazing narrative was about to take place. And the narrative is that which brought to us the good news. The Greek language, in the Greek language, that word, that phrase good news is to you angelion, meaning glad tidings or good news. And it's the good news that the one who was anticipated and anointed has arrived. Mark presents to us God's good word, who in John 1.1 and John 1.14 is the word which is God and the word which became flesh and dwelt among us. This is a word of glad tidings, a word of amazing news. And it is a message that is well worthy to be accepted. Why? Because it is about an individual whose incarnate injection into humanity altered to the trajectory of the destiny of mankind. Nothing is more significant than his arrival. The phrase gospel of indicates that this marvelous message has ownership and source. This good news is His. Not merely because He's the author of it, and it comes from Him, but because He is the central figure of the good news, wholly dedicated toward Him. And Mark presents to us who this individual is, which is the theme of the amazing narrative, the amazing glad tidings, the amazing marvelous news. He... The main event is Jesus Christ. His name, Jesus, means Jehovah's salvation. And Christ means anointed one, the Messiah. 
He is the promised one by the prophets and the expected exalted Savior. He is further described as the Son of God, which is both by both Hebrew and Gentile understanding designate him as deity. Now, Mark then provides with us prophetic proof that Jesus Christ is the anointed one by affirming the fulfillment of prophecy of John the Baptist. Notice, first of all, the prophecy of John the Baptist. Look in verses 2 and 3. It says, As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Here we find that Mark quoted two Old Testament prophets to introduce to us Christ's forerunner, John the Baptist, the greatest servant. Verse 2 is a quotation of Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, which says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord, whom ye seek, shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. We also find in chapter 4 of Malachi, it further prophesied in verse 5, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a course. That was verse number 2. Verse number 3 is the fulfillment of the prophecy found in Isaiah 40, verse number 3. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Both Isaiah and Malachi prophesied that a significant figure would come and pave the way for the arrival of the anointed one, the Messiah. Malachi predicted that he would be an Elijah-like figure. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. The purpose of Mark, including John the Baptist in this narrative and quoting the prophecy about him, was to confirm the veracity of both prophecies that John the Baptist and Jesus Christ had arrived. That's the significance of verses 2 and 3 and the prophecy of John the Baptist. Now, who was John the Baptist? We see, first of all, the prophecy of John the Baptist. Secondly, I want you to, to understand the person of John the Baptist. Luke 1 provides us with much of his background. Not many people have entered into this world like John the Baptist. His birth was prophesied by an angel who announced it to John's father, Zechariah. Luke tells us that Zechariah was a priest from the Aaronic lineage, and his wife was Elizabeth, who was the cousin of Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ. This was John the Baptist. Uh, uh, this made John the Baptist the cousin of Jesus Christ. The ministry of John the Baptist was so impactful that even the, uh, the Messiah himself claimed of him in Matthew 11, verse 11, Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. So this forerunner, this opener, if you will, Jesus Christ, the anointed one himself, said, There is none greater than John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the last of the Old Testament prophets, but he was the first to proclaim Jesus Christ in person at the same time as when the Anointed One was on earth. So we see 
the prophecy of John the Baptist, the person of John the Baptist. I want you to notice thirdly in verses 3 and 4, the preaching of John the Baptist. Look there if you would. It says, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Here we see the preaching and ministry of John the Baptist, and it was threefold. Number one, it was a preaching ministry that publicly proclaimed and prepared people for Jesus Christ. We see here that John's primary message was to be the per, a precursor or the harbinger of the Lord. Any great work of God begins with great preparation. John's ministry was to prepare the way of the Lord. And that word way speaks of path or road. One commentator said, The idea of preparing the way of the Lord is a word picture because the real preparation must take place in our hearts. Building a road is very much like the preparation God must do in our hearts. They are both expensive, they both must deal with many different problems and environments, and they both take an expert engineer. Basically, John was the bulldozer that cut away the shrubs, the trees, and the rocks so that Jesus Christ could come and work into the hearts of people. And his ministry was like a bulldozer. This ministry was to exalt the Lord to the hearts of the lost people. It was encouraging to these people at the time that God was coming, that the one to deliver them had arrived. They, the nation of Israel, was at the point of desperation. And as I mentioned in Sunday school, I heard a quote recently that desperation is an amazing force. It's a powerful force. And the nation of Israel was in desperate times, both politically and in their sins. And when they heard that the Messiah had come, it was encouraging to them. He was a voice crying in the wilderness. His proclamation was not a silent one, but one that could be heard in the wilderness where the people were. John the Baptist went to where the people were were he unashamedly and vocally prepared the people of the messiah who had arrived this is a great example for us to follow in our ministries and this is what makes our news such good news and it is this god has arrived in love in the form of a servant the suffering servant, Jesus Christ, to reconcile us to himself by canceling out our debt of, of sin for us. Not only was his ministry a public ministry that proclaimed and prepared people, but secondly, it was a ministry that plunged people into commitment. It was a ministry that plunged people into commitment. Look in verse number four. It says, John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of of repentance for the remission of sin. John's message was not was not that sins were forgiven by being baptized. No, don't get that wrong. Rather, by baptism, he com covenanted with men to carry out in their life the discipline necessary to make them ready for the kingdom. And this practice served to prepare them to accept the system in which the means of grace were to hold a prominent place. Because the people then at that time were so used to the rituals 
and the sacrifices and the uh, works that need to be needed to be done to have their sins forgiven. They thought that was the way. But here came a man in the wilderness preaching and baptizing that to them something totally different. Something totally new. That the law of Moses is not to have your sins forgiven. So we see, thirdly, that it was a ministry that was pointed and confrontational. He preached to them the baptism of repentance for their remission of sins. What does that mean? Part of the message of John was like the Old Testament prophets, more specifically like Elijah's, which was that of repentance. It was pointed. It was saying, change your mind. Like Elijah said in 1 Kings chapter 18, again, to the nation of Israel, he said, if the Lord be God, follow him. He began that by saying, how long halt ye between two opinions? How long are you going to keep going from God to Baal? God to Baal. Baal to God. You need a change of mind. That's Elijah's main ministry to the nation of Israel. Same thing with John. Here we're told that he preached the the baptism of repentance, which can be understood as being fully immersed in repentance. That word baptism in the Greek word baptisma means to immerse by submersion, to be plunged fully under. Now, we have an ordinance in our church called baptism. When somebody puts their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, they follow in obedience by being baptized as a symbol of what Christ has done. That's the same thing with uh, what John the Baptist was doing. It was symbolic of what the Messiah was going to do with them. And by preaching the baptism of repentance, it meant that if you're going to have a change of mind, it's going to have to be a change of mind completely, not partially. Just like when we get baptized and we are fully submerged in water the same thing with having a change of mind about God must be complete totally the word repentance in the Greek language metanoias means a change of mind the Greek scholar Thayer concerning this passage of scripture defined it as this especially the change of mind of those who have begun to abhor their errors and misdeeds and have determined to enter upon a better course of life so that embraced both a recognition of sin and sorrow for it and hearty amendment the tokens and effects of which are good deeds and that word remission means ascending away giving the idea of a financial term for forgiveness or cancellation of debt Let me just summarize it this way. John preached a pointed confrontational message that people needed to make a commitment in their change of mind concerning how their sins were canceled away. They were doing it before through the law of Moses. But John preached a different message that the Messiah the anointed one was going to bring them grace and he would pay for their sins. Now, lest we get it wrong, repentance is not a synonym for faith, but rather it is having a change of mind 
from rejecting God, His will, and His word while embracing sin to, a, uh, to an embrace of Christ, His will, and His word, and a mind of rejection of sin. They all go together like a two-sided coin. John preached a message that had two sides of a coin, repentance of sin and faith in Christ to whom he pointed. If John the Baptist were here today this and brought this message, it would be completely rejected by today's churches. They want a message that is palatable and unoffensive. But John the Baptist was not that guy. He wasn't afraid to pull the stops on anyone. As a matter of fact, we find in Matthew chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. It says, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth, therefore, fruits, meat for repentance, and think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father, for I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth forth not... Uh, uh, bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. John didn't pull any punches to these Pharisees and Sadducees. He made it a point to point to them that the law is not what saves. A change of life is not what saves, is what he was pointing out. John the Baptist also did not pull any punches to even the political leaders like Herod the Tetrarch who was a governor of three regions there in Judea. Mark chapter 6, verse 17 says, For Herod himself has sent forth and laid hold upon John, and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. For John had said unto Herod, It is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. Therefore Herodias had a quarrel against him and would have killed him, but she could not. Even Herod's wife, Herodias, Herodias, did not like John the Baptist because he was pointed towards her and confrontational towards her. He was pointing out their sin. At that point, uh, in this uh, narrative, Herodias could not ask for John's, John the Baptist to be killed. But when the opportunity arose during their daughter's birthday... Then Herodias took that, uh, uh, that uh, opportunity and had John the Baptist beheaded. Over 2,000 years later, that kind of preaching has stopped. Nowadays, it's about preaching acceptance, love, forgiveness, without the necessity of confronting and confessing sin. In many churches, the modern message has essentially dismissed the very concept of sin, arguing that they want the church to be all-inclusive and accepting of everyone, lest anyone feels guilty. And if one feels guilty, then it's an abuse from the pulpit, even though God's word clearly confronts the sin. John the Baptist didn't want anything to do with that compromising religious, uh, uh, compromising with the religious establishment to go along with Rome and maintain its positions and power. In today's world, this kind of preaching would be scorned. But in John's day, interestingly enough, the result was uh, opposite because people knew they needed a Messiah. People knew they were desperate. They knew they needed a Savior, a loving, merciful, sovereign. They wanted a new king. Albeit they wanted a political one, not always necessarily understanding they needed a spiritual one. 
Well, there's so much more we can glean from the ministry of John the Baptist, and we'll take time out to finish this next Saturday at 11.30 a.m. on this very same station. If you're looking for a church family where you can serve, I'd like to invite you to Anchor Baptist Church of San Diego. We are a Christ-centered, family-oriented ministry located at 8245 Ronson Road, Suite D, San Diego, California, 92111. Our services start on Sunday for Sunday School at 9.30 a.m., and our morning worship begins at 10.45. Then we have a brief time of fellowship before we begin our afternoon service at 12.15 p.m. Our midweek Bible study and prayer time is every Wednesday at 7 p.m. And if you or anyone you know is struggling with a destructive, addictive behavior, Anchor Baptist Church offers an addictions recovery ministry, which is a Bible-based recovery program that provides freedom through the power of God and His Word. This program is called Reformers Unanimous, and we meet every Friday at 7 p.m. Also at 8245 Ronson Road, Suite D, San Diego, California, 92111. For more information, visit us at www.anchorbaptistchurchsd.org. That's www.anchorbaptistchurchsd.org. Or call us at 619-804-3413. That's 619-804-3413. Anchored in Christ is a radio broadcast supported by donations by faithful listeners like you. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you and you'd like to donate to this broadcast, please visit our website at www.anchorbaptistchurchsd.org slash giving and donate to Anchored in Christ radio broadcast. Thank you for listening and may God keep you anchored in Christ. You've been listening to Anchored in Christ with Pastor David Kehiwat. For more information, visit anchorbaptistchurchsd.org. Tune in next week at the same time for Anchored in Christ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.